Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Weekends were made for sports. Now do the robot voice. I want to hear it again. Meet more sharp robot. That's a terrible robot voice. A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. Everyone, meet freelance alien bounty hunter, Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp? The football guy? Yeah, I hunt aliens now. Used to catch TDs, now I catch ETs. You ever caught an alien, Shannon? Not yet, Mr. Question, but I'll let you know when I do. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. Where are the Summer turtles? Sausage. Where are the turtles? Come on, guys, get out of here. Where are the turtles? And Rashad Taylor. Nobody calls me Lebowski. You got the wrong guy. I'm the dude, man. On 1080 The Fan. Hour 2 of 2 here on Sports Sunday. Recapping Blazers Nugs. Blaze the Nugs, game one. I wish I could hear the nonsense the Shaq is saying right now. Probably something really, really dumb. Is he anti-Joel Embiid? Uh, no, he's so been he's probably loving on Joel Embiid. Though. No, yeah, but you know, Shaq likes to say silly, the silliest things, you know, when he's on the air, especially now that you know the 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 younger uh, group of TNT analysts they're not going for. Candace Parker punks Shaq so much all the time because he just always shows that you know he he, he he's like a little too like, old school. Yeah, I feel like he doesn't really. Uh, and this sounds weird to say about Shaquille O'Neal, but um, he doesn't know modern NBA. You know, he, he it's because uh, he couldn't. Well, of course he could, but he would struggle to play the current center role in the NBA, like with shooting and defending outside of the three point line and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, he'd still be dominant. He should kill O'Neal, but he doesn't he doesn't get it. Yeah. Shaq talks like everybody is, you know, big and dominant in the, you know, one of the <laughs> yeah, like it's it's weird. He does. He doesn't think that anybody like there's a, a certain amount of skill level people uh don't possess and he thinks everybody should be able to do what Shaq did. I think the 76ers need at least 100 points in the paint tonight to win the game. Man, it's not good. They're not going to win. They don't have at least 200 points by Joel Embiid. You know, that's him. what he's like. Why you are you feeding him on the block? What? <laughs> what are you talking about, Shaq? Sometimes I'm just like, look at him and you can see Charles looks at him like, what the hell are you talking about? How and many rings do you have, Charles? How many rings you got, Chuck? Which is, which is rude. Which is rude to do to Chuck. I mean, it's true, though. It's, I mean, it's true, <laughs> but that ain't Charles's fault. That ain't his fault. Like valid argument here, and then here comes Shaq. But how many rings do you have? Yeah, and it's like so, and that's kind of like a trump card to a lot of people. But it doesn't mean that. I mean, Barkley was a beast. Like for those of you who are maybe a little too young, maybe didn't see Charles Barkley. Man, I miss prime Charles Barkley. You did? Yeah. Oh my God, man. I I I didn't watch a lot of NBA when I was younger. I I watched a lot of NBA for like three years growing up. And then I kind of stopped. So I, even, I missed kind of peak Charles Barkley. Not even Phoenix Charles Barkley, but um, Philadelphia 76ers Barkley running down the floor and just, you know, weaving through defenses and then two-hand jam on everybody's face. Like, hey, man, Barkley was a beast. And everybody said he was fat. I don't, I mean, in comparison to the rest of the Slim Jims in the NBA at that point, yes. But Barkley was, was a little bowling ball, right? 
I mean, I, I suppose. Like when you look at everybody else, I guess. But Bark- and to me, yeah. Barkley was never like super fat and out of shape. Not until he was at least in uh, in Houston. That's when it was like, okay, you're a little big. Yeah. The reason I didn't watch a lot of Barkley is because I started watching sports because I was uh, a kid. Right. In ninety five, ninety six. Right. When he was on Houston. Yeah. That's you know that's fair. That's late Charles Barkley. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. But yeah, I, that- mi- I missed peak Charles Barkley for sure. Uh, okay. My thought on Terry Stotts here, I want to get to the quote from CJ in a second, but Terry Stotts, generally speaking, has been a guy who has been outcoached in the playoffs by better coaches, right? We've seen it where they adjust mid-series. The Blazers almost seem surprised by said adjustment. Oftentimes, it takes a game or two for them to readjust, but by then it's too late, right? That's kind of how it always appears to seem with Terry Stotts in the playoffs. His initial plan, I think, is brilliant against the Nuggets. Right. Because he knows that right now, Jokic is really their only option. Normally, when someone is your only option, you double them, right? But what is Jokic's greatest strength? It's his passing. passing. He's a great scorer. He can do almost everything inside the paint, but his passing is elite-level passing. And the Blazers went, you know what? We're not going to double you. We're barely even going to help, right? They sent some guys who like would swat at the ball a little bit, but there, it was one on one. Jokic on Nurk, Jokic on Cantor, and occasionally if they got switched up, you know, Covington did his best. And yeah, he got his points. He got one assist, and some of that's because the Nuggets were missing some shots, but also it was because when you double, he easily just passes out of it and goes and finds an open shooter. But when everyone's being guarded on the perimeter, if he passes it out. It's going to be a much tougher shot for them because someone's already in their face because they didn't double-team Jokic. Now, you can only do that because Nurk can hold his own right. defensively. You know, if Cantor was your starting center, you'd have to you'd have to help Cantor. He would, he would give up 60 a game without question to Jokic. But I think that's a smart strategy, and it's going to take a lot for the Nuggets to break through that, in my opinion, because they don't have those guys outside of Jokic that you can fully trust to score every time they get the ball. So in that sense, I think it's a brilliant strategy from Stotts. And in general, I've thought he has not come in with the best strategies in these series. And I very much appreciate that a lot. I mean, you needed him to do something and he needed uh, him to do something because the, obviously the jury's out. People are looking at Stotts saying, this is it. You know, the, the, the articles come out saying he'll be, you know, dismissed at the end of the year, barring, some, you know, miraculous playoff run, which, I mean, I think we think can happen, but probably won't, you know. So I thought that was the one of the first adjustments that I've seen Stotts make because, to be honest, they don't run plays. What's what's the Blazers play? Uh, give Damian Lillard the ball and run a pick and roll. That's it. It's high pick. You I know? mean, they do run plays, but they almost all turn into Lillard it's shots. Iso, no, they're, they're iso plays. You know, Lillard clear out on this side. CJ clear out on this side. Or they run like screen action to get yeah. him open. Mellow clear out on this side. It's it's a lot of isolation, you know, basketball. And I think you want to see Stotts come out with some type of game plan to say, we're not just going to make this any regular old game. We're going to come in here with something that works and something that is doable. And number one, there's nothing you can do about um, Jokic scoring. Like there's that. So throw that out the window. So I thought it was really smart to not focus so much on okay how do we stop Jokic like because that could have been the plan just like we're gonna throw three four bodies at Jokic and make him beat no now you have to make him beat you 
and the, the rest of the team, hopefully they can they can try to make shots if you're Denver. Well, that's but the thing is I don't think you have those shot makers like you once had. With is Gary Neal still there? You mean Gary Harris? Gary Harris? Excuse no, me. he's, he's not gone. There anymore. Yeah, so guys well, like that, that are gone. And, their big problem is that their defensive stalwarts from the series two years ago are gone. They had Gary Harris at the perimeter, and they had uh, Torrey Craig, who was a great defender. Both are gone. So right now you've got Compazzo, who is an annoying defender. He's small. He plays very aggressive. But he doesn't give you what Gary Harris gave you, right? And generally, just the they don't really have a lot of defense right now on that floor because of the injuries and because of the guys that they lost. They just kind of... And Michael Porter Jr. does not play defense. No. I'll tell you that. No, he, he, is may, be able to, he may be able to pour it in, but uh, every time they switch Lillard to Michael Porter Jr., you could see Lillard was like, ha, 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 ha. Let's, uh, yeah. let's go figure um, out a way to get around he's you. He's about to have a, a field day on Michael Porter Jr. But yeah. to be fair, uh, Porter, Porter's no punk. And he, you know, he, had a, he had a nice little game against whomever was guarding him. Well, he, yeah, he, he, which was Norman he Powell, fin- which... he finished very well on the inside and he's bigger than Norman Powell, yeah, which is, so... that's going to be a thing. Um, but if he's not going to hit threes, then it doesn't really matter. The, uh, uh, the CJ thing I wanted to bring up about stops is CJ was asked the question, are they playing to save stops job by Jason quick? And he gave a long answer. I'll just read it to you. And I think, it, I think it's interesting because in most of these situations, I feel like a, a, a player asked this question would be like, yeah, of course we want to save uh, Stotts' job. He's our head coach, you know. This is what CJ said. You have no control over these things. I like Terry. Terry has been great for me in my career, my development. He's given me a chance. I will, for, I will forever be grateful for everything he has done for me. But your job as a player is to play. His job as a coach is to coach. Like you can't worry about what could happen. That's every year. Every year I could be traded. Every year a coach could lose his job. There is enough pressure to perform on its own. So it's going to be what it's going to be. At the end of the day, we are not just playing for Terry's job. We are playing for our livelihoods. Like this is how I eat. His job is what it is. But as much as I like him, I care about my family. At the end of the day, your job is to provide for your family through the athletic, talking to Jason Quick. So we're going to do our job, not just for him, but for ourselves too. So I don't need any extra motivation to help Terry keep his job. I'm going to go hoop and do what I do no matter what. And I think that's Terry's mentality. If something happens, Terry's okay. He's going to be all right. He's probably going to get another head coaching job. Know what I'm saying? I think that also helps his mentality, his psyche. It's like, I've been winning the whole time here. I've been doing well. I'm known for X, Y, Z. So I don't think there is any, I mean, you're talking to a guy who's made a hundred million bucks. I don't think there's any extra incentives. Something is wrong. Uh, or if I need extra incentives, something is wrong. I don't need extra motivation. And I know Dame doesn't either. I know Norm no, doesn't. Nurk comes from Bosnia. You go down the line. Roko's undrafted. If you don't have internal motivation for the playoffs, then you need to sit your ass down and really decide what you want to do with your life moving forward. End quote. That's a lot of, well, <laughs> Something might happen at the end of the season. Especially coming from a guy who's probably going to be gone with Terry Stotts. If, if we're there being are honest. big changes. Yeah. If we're being honest. so that, that right there was so interesting to read because it was just kind of like, yeah, we're kind of playing for him, but we're playing because we want to yeah, play basketball in the really playoffs. Though. You know, not really. Yeah. We're, I we're like out Terry. Here. Like, he's a cool dude. You know, <laughs> Cool enough. He's been good for me. You know, a couple hundred million, you know, something like that. But you know, he'll be fine. You know, Terry's a, Terry's a, uh, a good guy. He'll, he'll land on his feet is pretty much what yeah. CJ, you know, came out and said. Isn't that interesting to hear that though? And you would almost think guaranteed in a situation like this, 
just to not rock the boat, you would say something like, oh, yeah, of course, you know, we love Terry. That was not that, you know, so that was that was just very interesting because there is that narrative that they're playing for Terry's job. I don't think that's the case. Yeah, I think, I, I, I think in some senses, I think Damian Lillard might want some change. I think he sees where they are right now at his age and his prime, and they've wasted a couple of years of his prime already, that maybe some change would be good, but obviously a great playoff run does seem to change a lot of those things. As yes, well. I mean, and that's really the only thing that's going to change in your minds is a, a great playoff run, which means a spot in the Western Conference Finals, bare minimum. Okay, keep texting, 503-250-1080. Did I miss anything obvious? Is there anything else that we want to talk about, or should we switch to the other games from yesterday? Nope, unless we're going to talk about Kwame Brown later. Nope, not really. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I was not planning on talking about (laughs) Kwame Brown, but uh, he has been quite fun to follow on social media if you have not been doing so. He had like 9,000 followers prior to him going at the All the Smoke guys, and then now I think he has like well over 200,000, 300,000 followers. (laughs) Well, he knows how to get himself some attention, that's for sure. There were three other games yesterday, and a couple of them were quite good as well, so we'll get to those next. This is Sports Sunday on the Fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. There were three other playoff games yesterday. Pretty good, too. First game of the day was a great one between the Bucks and the uh, Heat, who for whatever reason were wearing Pacers jerseys. Oh, Giannis, man. Dude, he better not work on anything else the entire offseason except free throws. Who gets a, a lane violation shooting the ball? <laughs> like 10-second like, violation, how does, that, right? how does that work? Yeah, but I, th- I think it's still called a, a lane violation at that point. Man, for, for waiting too long. For t- 10, like, you see Karan Butler in the background, you know, like, man, clock, clock. How, how long has he had the ball? But who does that? Carl Malone-esque. Who does that? You know, but that's, I don't know. Giannis is a f- freak, obviously, you know, but, man, come on, bro. Like, this is this is these are the things that end up holding you back. He did shoot six of 13 from the free throw line, so at least he had half of them. Oh. <laughs> That's less than half. Oh. Oh. Guess what? If, you know who can't shoot? Him. If, so at it, least he had six. And technically one of those misses counts as that lane yeah. violation, so maybe so yeah. he did actually go six for 12 yeah. actually shooting the ball. If What other superstar could we say, man, he went six from 12 from the line, and that was okay. Like uh, Russell Westbrook. No. no Russell no. Westbrook is like a 60% free throw shooter. Hey, You're like, oh, well, hey. Wes gets no, no, he gets no breaks, though. The dude averages a triple-double. Still, people are like, yeah, I'm not sold. I don't well, think he's that good. Well, because he, <laughs> okay. can't, he can't shoot for okay. that's Okay, that's, uh, he, he can't shoot. That's the problem. And that's fine. And he still averages damn near 20 points, 11 rebounds, and 11, like, hey, man. So that's that's what I'm saying. Like, we'll 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 cut down guys for for small things. Like, man, but this dude averages a triple double. But yeah. after that game yesterday, it took overtime. It took a Chris Middleton jumper at Beautiful the at shot. the buzzer in overtime to to win for the Bucks. After Jimmy Butler tied it at the buzzer to force overtime uh, at 99 on a little uh, layup with uh, time expiring. What this game does to me is, so the Heat this year were pretty disappointing, right? Make the finals last year you kind of feel like they're ready to be one of the better teams in the East. And they had some injury issues. And I think they were hit the hardest by the quick turnaround from the bubble because of how much energy they had to put out there to kind of make that run to the, to the NBA finals. But 
remember last year the Heat beat the Bucks in the playoffs. So Milwaukee is having a similar issue that the Blazers have had in terms of they have their star. Giannis is great, but they haven't been able to build a team around him that's good enough to push them up through the Eastern Conference, which should, in theory, be easier to do them in the Western Conference. You know, you go get Drew Holiday this offseason, give him a big deal, and you're like, wow, that's a great move. Uh, I think that's going to help a lot. Chris Middleton has taken another step up. Uh, you bring P.J. Tucker in in a trade this year as a good defender off the bench, and, like, all these things are are positives. And, yes, they won the game yesterday. But I watched that game, and I went, I don't think this Heat team is that good compared to last year, and they're giving Milwaukee everything they can handle. And it's just it's crazy to me how much how many parallels I see between the Bucks and the Blazers in terms of like you have your star, you have secondary players and you keep trying to fit the pieces around them and it just doesn't ever look right. I don't know if that's Giannis's fault or it's just it's tough to build a team like that, but it, that's kind of how it felt after watching that game to me. Well, to be real, honestly, it's been Giannis's fault. You know, it was it's the the missed free throws at the end of games, you know, to where teams, you know, put you on the line because they know you're going to chip them. It's having your inability to make three point up until this year, your inability to make three pointers. And so teams are keeping you out of the paint or trying their best to keep you out of the paint and forcing you to shoot jumpers. Like a lot of these things, a lot of the issues with the Bucks honestly have been with their superstar. Like Chris Middleton uh, is a, I guess, a good secondary player. I don't think he's going to be a the star of any team, but every team needs two guys two at least two stars. And Chris Middleton is your other all-star. And last night he played, like the other all-star, you know, 27 points, six rebounds, six assists, and no, none bigger uh, than the big bucket that ended the game in overtime. So a lot of the issues, that game should be over if Giannis makes free throws, right? Like the game should probably yeah. be close to over, but he didn't. And so uh, this is an issue that's been happening for a while. With with the Blazers, Dame isn't the issue. You know, Dame is not the, the reason why you haven't been successful. Um They've made it far enough if you're Milwaukee, and I think you got to make when you make it that far. Your superstar is supposed to be the one to put you over the hump. You don't lose to Miami last year in the playoffs. That's not supposed to happen. Right. You don't have the choke job that you had uh, the, a year prior to. Uh, was it Toronto or that they beat in the uh, that beat them? Probably was it Toronto that yeah ended up or Philly them? Yeah, yeah or one of those two. You don't you're not supposed to lose in the fashion that you lose. So. I think a lot of those issues, a lot of the things the, with the problems with the Bucks, and you can point the finger at, at Giannis, honestly. Like, and he's an amazing player. He's the, the, the biggest, uh, the biggest beast down low we've seen since Shaq. Like, there's nothing. Once he gets to the paint, there's literally nothing you can do. Finishes with both hands, dunks over your. There's nothing you can do about that. But there's still some holes in his game that he needs to fix offensively if he's going to make it to the next level. The second game of the day. Mavericks win game one over the Clippers in the four or five matchup, 113, 103. Luca with a triple double, 31, 10, and 11, 11 assists, 10 rebounds. The Clippers playoffs still problems. New coach, you know, slightly different roster construction, but uh, they shot 11 for 40 from three. And that is almost assuredly the reason why they lost this game minus Luca going triple double. They just couldn't hit a three to save their lives. I'm mad at Tyrone Lou. Tyrone Lue is somebody who's uh, a, a championship coach, has won an NBA championship as a head coach, has won an NBA championship as a player. This is the softest move. And we talked about this last week, Lynch, when, when, you know, when you weren't here, Joe. Man, the Clippers, that's the softest move I've ever seen as far as purposely trying to get out of position to play the Lakers at any point. 
Like, if anything, now is when you want the Lakers in the first round or the second round. They're still trying to figure each other out. They're still trying to get back to where they were before or when they were 26 and 6 to start the season or whatever it is. They're trying to get back to that point. So if you were going to play them, now's the time. And you decided to lose some games on purpose. Like, that was weak. And then so I can understand how this Mavericks team saw them and said, oh, we're about to jump on. Last night, everybody from the Mavericks that was supposed to play well played well. Uh, it, I mean, Przingis, you know, can be up and down, but I didn't even know Przingis still played. You know, he's he's out so much to where I didn't even think he actually Por- was Look, a part I, of the game. I say this in a little bit of a hyperbolic way, but Porzingis sucks. Like, Porzingis is a unicorn, and he's got His skill. His best years are back in New York. But they, they, the Mavericks are going nowhere if he's your second best player because he's going to do what he did yesterday a lot, which is miss most of his shots. <laughs> Still got 14. He only got four rebounds. I mean, God, it's weird. Yeah, it's, it's strange. That's weird. But when you've got Luca, you can, you can win when he has games like that. And uh, you hit threes, you know, Tim Hardaway jr. Is still on that team. And he, he hit some threes and Dorian Finney Smith went four for five from three. Look, the Mavericks have the win. I think Luca played a great game. To me, the storyline is the Clippers, are continual choke artists in the playoffs and you know it's one game but they did not look the part yesterday and they don't have anybody else to help paul george and Kawhi leonard like these these guys literally trade shots back and forth they're they're essentially the blazers you know it's damon cj they're just trading shots back and forth because uh mark markeith morris senior four points patrick beverly 10 points minus 13 for the night batum had 11 rondo had 11 like you don't have enough people to give you some firepower if you're if you're the Clippers so you have to hope that Kawhi and Paul George go off for 30 apiece well, the, otherwise you don't have a chance the big key was Reggie Jackson only scored two points he's Can't been your guard he's been a guy who's scored for them off the bench too yeah. and you need that as well uh, look I, I don't think the Clippers are going to play that badly again but then again I said that multiple years in a row and they've lost in the playoffs and I didn't think so so who knows they're the Clippers they have a new coach and they've got a new set of uh, players but maybe nothing is changing final game was uh, that wasn't Blazers was Nets Celtics the Nets are terrifying they are Celtics played really well in the first half Jason Tatum played a great first half he barely scored in the second half and Kevin Durant Kyrie Irving and James Harden just took over they scored basically all of the second half points for the Nets and that's all that mattered they won by 10 or 9 32 KD uh, 29 Kyrie uh, 21 James Harden 8 assists 9 boards like just a regular day at the office for for the Nets, but um, it's guys like Joe Harris. You know, those are he, Joe Harris and and Jeff Green and play great yesterday, but I think he will at a point. Um, he played those, good defense. Yeah, those are the guys that really keep it together for the like. It's obviously the big stars are what are going to put them over the top, but it's guys like man Joe Harris and and um, Claxton and these other guys that can step in and, and give you some instant production. So. The Nets, I, I mean, they're obviously going to the finals for me. I don't think there's any team in the Eastern Conference as good as as the Nets. It's just, it's just not. I still think there's a little part of me that wonders if there's because they haven't played a lot of games together. Wonders if there's going to be a bit of a too many guys trying to shoot the ball problem. But I, that's a small part of my brain. Yeah. I, I kind of just feel like, man, these Nets have three of the best players in the league that can all pour it in, and who on earth is going to stop that? You know what it was? It was the, the Really, the the chucker of the three, which is James Harden, was the one that was like, "I'll take less. I'll take less shots." You know, I'll, he's done that you know, since he's gotten there. I'll, I'll, I have no problem passing the ball and getting people in in the right position and everything. And I think that's a that's a selfless player. Kyrie was like, "I don't have to be the point guard. Cool. 
Like, he gave up that position so fast, and Harden was like, yeah, that's cool. I'll do it. And really, he's been the one that scored the least, but given really the most production. The Nets don't win without James Harden. They don't win the championship without him. Because Texas, is, is it just me or is James Harden fat? <laughs> he is. He's definitely rounder than he, he used to be. He is. Oh, if you saw him walking to the arena last night, he his like posture and the way that he's walking, it, it was evident. Like, yeah, he's a chubster. Guess, he's thick with two Cs. Guess what, man? Thick. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> Get buckets. And yeah. that's what he does, man. So, um, yeah, this Nets team is is nuts. And I just don't see anybody, not even just in the East, but I don't see anybody beating them in a championship series. All right, let's get to hate it or love it. Joe will ask us questions, award us points, winner hosts the last segment. But first, Joe has sports. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Ten thirty-seven here on your Sunday morning. Just a little bit of time left on the show. This is Hate It or Love It. Joe will ask us questions. He'll give us points or deduct points based on our answers. Winner host the last segment. What do you got for us today, Joseph? First and foremost, I've already put it out to the masses. If you are going to the Blazer game on Thursday, make sure that we get a Mike Malone chant going because apparently he Did likes to be called that? Michael. The he jumped down Cassie Hubbard's uh, throat on yes. ESPN because she's like, I'm with Denver Nuggets head coach Mike Malone. He's like, Michael, Michael Malone. Yep. She's like, oh, okay, sorry, coach. I'll make sure to get that right the rest of the playoffs. Your uh, name is Mike. So everybody From started. So yeah, everyone started tweeting Mike Malone. Yeah, I hope there's a chant. Oh, I, I I had Pinwheel Empire retweet it. It's it's going out there. I I think we might have something going on Thursday among the fans there at the at the Moda Center. Look so. at you, Joe. Starting so, something. Fingers crossed. It. Good job, Joe. All right, so Michael Lynch. Yes. Hi. Or, or Mike Lynch. Mikey. Which, which one do you prefer? I mean, I, either is fine. <laughs> Um, Rashad, is, is there a longer form of Rashad that we don't know about? Uh, there is not. Rosh? No, there is not. Uh, <laughs> for, yeah, fortunately. Rashadrington? You know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Rashadrington. Um, all right. So uh, we have game one between the Blazers and Nuggets. Some important players in this series, obviously, but hate it or love it. Most important player in this series is Michael Porter Jr., most important player. Yes. Interesting. Um, for either team. Yes. Okay. Overall in the so. series, I'm going to go ahead and say love because you know that Jokic is going to get his. You know that Dame is going to get his. The Blazers, if they you know keep up this kind of passing, will have balanced scoring throughout. But the Nuggets, if they want to win this series, need a number two, and right now their number two is Michael Porter Jr. And Michael Porter Jr. played very well yesterday, minus shooting the three. So, yeah, he is the most important player in the series. Because the Nuggets without Jamal Murray are the old Blazers. It's Jokic and a bunch of guys where you're like, well, maybe they can get some points and, and help you out a little bit. And the Blazers built a defensive strategy to stop Jokic in a way that doesn't make sense if you think about it, but it does work. Like, oh, you're not doubling the most important player. You're just not letting him pass the ball. And 
if the Nuggets want to have a chance, they need Michael Porter Jr. to be a dominant player in this series. He showed that he can be yesterday. There was a bit of a, a mismatch with him often on some of the defenders he was facing, Norman Powell being the key guy. But, you know, if he got switched on to CJ or whatever, he could just go into the lane and do whatever he wanted. But he was also content to just jack up threes for whatever reason, and he missed nine of the ten that he took. And if he's going to just hit a couple more of those threes and stay that dominant on the inside, he can do a lot for this Nuggets team. And he can really, really keep them in the series and win them a couple of games. So, yeah, love. He is the most important player in the series. Absolutely love. Um, Michael Porter Jr. is one of those players that I, I wanted so bad when he was getting drafted. I remember seeing him play at the Les Schwab Invitational and said, this kid is a beast. Um, that silly people to pass on him because of the back injury. Now he's in Denver where they're probably going to have way more firepower next year. But since Jamal Murray's been gone, he there, again, there's been uh, four games since Jamal Murray hasn't been, five, excuse me, since he's been out, that he hasn't had at least 20 in the game. And so he's been out there just completely doing everything offensively for his team. He doesn't give you much defense, but that's what you're going to need if you're if you're the Nuggets right now. You're going to need somebody else who's going to be able to give you 24 to 27 points to go along with Jokic's 30 because he's going to have to put up 30 something every single night uh, to be effective. He doesn't play that great a defense. We've already established that, but he can still be pesky on the defensive end and get some some steals when people aren't really paying attention. He's great at finishing at the rack. If anybody's going to beat the Blazers, that's not uh, Jokic. It's going to be Michael Porter Jr. Um, I don't think Will Barton has the, the, uh, the skills to do it. I didn't even know Paul Millsap even played for uh, the Nuggets anymore, and he got in the game, got some minutes last night. So they're getting desperate, and because they're getting desperate, they're going to need for their best players to step up. And right now, Michael Porter Jr. is indeed their second best player. All right. Moving on to another Western Conference matchup, the Mavericks and the Clippers. Mavericks getting game one. And pandemic P, playoff P, whatever you want to call him, <laughs> he showed up, I believe, was like one of seven from three. Kawhi Leonard, two of eight. Didn't really get much from any of the other players on the team. So, hater to love it. The Clippers are just not as good as we all thought. Love, um, when you have a when you have a name like Kawhi Leonard, who's a two-time Finals MVP and a two-time champion, uh, obviously it's gonna draw a lot of attention from people. And then you throw in a guy like Paul George, who's a perennial All-Star and one of the best wing players in the league that's not named LeBron James uh, or Kevin Durant. Yeah, I think we looked at this Clippers team and said they were going to be scary. Then you throw in the defense of somebody like Patrick Beverly, and you're saying, man, who's going to stop these guys in the perimeter? Well, the answer is everybody. It's because the Clippers don't have enough uh, anywhere else to score. Man, as as good defensively as Beverly is, he can't score for you like that. As good defensively as Rondo is, he can't score for you like that. The Morris, the one of the Morris twins, I don't even know which one it is, but when he's hot, he's a streaky shooter. So if he's gonna, if the shots are going in, you're probably gonna win. But if he's off, then he's incredibly off. Honestly, I can't even name the other people on that team because I don't really know. We know about Paul George, we know about Kawhi Leonard. We think that's enough to get you over the hump because those guys are so so good. But yeah, I don't think this Clippers team is as dangerous as we all thought. And then when they did the whole move trying to move to not play the Lakers it just showed us how soft they actually were on top of not being that good uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say uh, the question was hate it or love it they're not as good as we thought right uh, I'm gonna say hate just because it's one game and I feel like with a new coach it's gonna change you still have Kawhi Leonard you still have Paul George yes Paul George has been known in well I guess it's been mixed for Paul George for a while. He was known as a great playoff player. And then he 
you know, sucked in the playoffs for a couple of years and you're like, oh, now he's just a big choke artist. You still have two of the best wing players in the league on the same team, right? And yeah, the complimentary pieces, I think, are a little bit more questionable than we thought. You know, you got one of the Morris twins and generally that's pretty good in the playoffs. Uh, you, you got Serge Ibaka off the bench. You got Nick Batum, who I, I guess sometimes he starts, sometimes he comes off the bench, depending on matchups, who can get you some some shots. Rondo's going to be key. Reggie Jackson's going to be key, of course. Uh, it feels like a less deep Clippers team, but I still feel like because of the two stars that they have, it's one of those where I'm not willing to write them off as not being as good as I thought yet. Because just, I mean, if they if each guy, Leonard went one for six from three, Joe, and Paul George went two for eight. If each guy hits a couple more shots, it's a completely different game. Like that is very unlike both of them to shoot that poorly, generally speaking. Like Kawhi was nine for 22. That's very unlike Kawhi to be that inefficient. Mm-hmm. Paul George was eight for 18, which seems, you know, pretty Paul George. He just missed a lot of his threes. I feel like just a couple more shots go in and all of a sudden it's a different story. Or we're not talking this way about the Clippers. We're, we're, we're ready to jump on the Clippers suck bandwagon because we want to, and we've seen it. I'm just not ready to go all the way in yet. So I'm going to go ahead and say, hey. all right, now moving in to before the playoffs. And that was the play in tournament. We had some good games, Lakers, Warriors, Warriors, Grizzlies. The East wasn't really anything to, you know, get worked up by. Nope. Um, but hated to love it. The playing tournament was a success and should stick around. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say hate. I thought the Western Conference games were very entertaining. Yes. Uh, the Lakers-Warriors game was very fun. I didn't think Grizzlies first was that entertaining, but it was close-ish. Grizzlies uh, Warriors was a fantastic game for the second one. The East games were a joke. They really were. Um, I wasn't necessarily sure how I felt about the play-in tournament going into it. I liked the idea of it because I, I think it, it could have created more drama, which it did, especially in the in the last game with the with the Warriors and the Grizzlies. But if we get most years where the seven and eight seeds make the playoffs anyway. It seems like a little bit of a, why are we doing this question? You know, the fact that in year one, the Grizzlies as a nine seed make the playoffs in the play-in tournament is a point in the favor of the NBA for doing this, right? It gave that team a chance. That team had to play two games. It won both games. It beat Steph Curry and the Warriors. Give them a chance in the playoffs. Uh, but you're not going to have LeBron James in this probably ever again. No. So that was a that was a one-time thing where you got LeBron versus Steph. It's pretty unlikely you're going to have Steph Curry in this again with Klay Thompson coming back healthy. So I think that if you see more of a Eastern Conference type of team situation happen in the West, it might not be quite as exciting. So I'm torn on it. I think it's a good idea. I think it brings a potential for a lot of uh, high-intensity games at the end of the regular season if you want to avoid the playing game. We saw that with the Blazers and the Lakers and the Mavericks at the end. I just feel like you're also rewarding a team that's seven games under 500 with a chance, which seems wrong too. Like, why are the Spurs in this? Why on earth were the Hornets in this? Like, come on, these teams don't deserve a chance. So I'm still kind of torn on it. I I think this year it's definitely coming back because of how it went. But I think over time, if we get a lot of seven eights, they keep making it and a lot of bad teams losing by 30, it might not last too much longer than that. Uh, I love, love it. What is like? Wait, you love it was, it was a success, success. and uh, it's uh, it's gonna come back. It's, it's gonna stick around. I I mean I I love it. There are some things I would tweak. 
Um, I, I don't think that the the nine and ten seed should be in the play-in. Uh, again, it's tough for me to have a team in the playoffs, especially in the Western Conference, that's you know seven games under five hundred, x amount of games under five hundred, one game under five hundred seems wrong for a, a team to be in the playoffs. So I could totally understand the nine seed playing the eight seed, and so whoever wins that game will be. I think that makes way more sense. But I don't think you should reward a tenth place team in either conference. And why are you potentially like punishing the team that made the seven too? No, Isn't that's that weird. That's weird. Like I feel like the seven seed should be. Uh, you should be protected if you get the 17, but that's whatever. I think there needs to be some tweaks there, but this year it couldn't have worked out any better. Look at the names you had in this play in tournament. Steph Curry, LeBron James, John Morant, Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm missing Tatum. people. Jason Tatum. Like these are, these are all those guys are NBA stars and two of them are the best players in the league. Anthony Davis. Like these guys were in the games to get into the playoffs. Like that's must see TV. And I, it's hard to say that. I mean, I don't think any 10 sheets would seem to be there, but when Russell Westbrook is on the team, I'm probably going to watch that game. So I think there are some changes that need to be made, but overall, I think it was a huge success, and the NBA just found out a way, another way to make themselves more money. Yeah, they did. All money, right. money, money. And on to our last one real quickly. Jazz, Suns, Lakers, Clippers. You don't know how the Clippers are, if the Lakers are going to be healthy, if the Jazz and Suns are for real. Blazers win, Mavericks win. Hater to love it. Western Conference is wide open. You? It's you. Oh, love it. Um, now I don't think our team was going to be one of those ones that's going to take that uh, take that spot at the top. But it's really a, it, it. Would it shock anybody if Utah won a championship and got to the finals? Would it shock anybody if Chris Paul finally got over the hump and got to the finals? Would it shock anybody if Dallas, you know, made some noise and Luka Doncic just has this amazing run in the playoffs? Absolutely not. In the Eastern Conference, you know, it's going to be one of two teams. It's probably going to be the the Sixers. It's probably going to be the Nets. Everybody else. Uh, probably don't see that happen. Maybe Milwaukee. You can make legitimate claims for everybody in the in the Western Conference. One through maybe even six or one through seven because the Lakers are the seven seed. One through seven could easily be uh, who uh, who represents the the Western Conference in the conference finals or in the in the NBA finals. So man, wide open in the West. I'm gonna go ahead and say love as well. I, you know, initially I thought. Yeah, it looks wide open, but wait until you get, you know, Lakers Clippers in the Western Conference final and it's what everyone expected anyway, even regardless of seed, regardless of the fact that the Clippers are the four and the Lakers are the seven, they were still going to make it. But, you know, it does feel wide open now. Seeing the Mavericks win that first game against the Clippers, I think the Suns are going to give the Lakers everything they can handle, even though the Lakers are favored in the series as a seven seed. I think that's going to be a very entertaining close series. It's one of those where what if the Lakers get pushed to six or seven games? What if the Clippers lose to the Mavericks or get pushed to six or seven games? Then all of a sudden, they're going to be more tired. Yep. They're going to be going into a another tough series because the West is tough all the way through. And, you know, anything can happen at that point. So, yeah, love. The West is wide open, and that makes the playoffs that much more fun. I can't really say the same about the East because I just think the Nets are going to win it all. So <laughs> it's just that simple. All right. All right. Rashad, you're on your Jameis Winston eating W's today. That's what we do. Got Lasix. I'm seeing clear, you know, all of a sudden. Congratulations. Uh, you got Lasix, you're seeing clear, and you're still the third string quarterback behind there we go. Taysom Hill. We'll take it. We're getting, we're, we're getting W's, though. <laughs> we're eating uh, dubs. <laughs> we're going to eat some more dubs right here on Sports Sunday. Next. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan.
I do like this song. This is this is inspirational. I don't know about you guys, but in the morning as I'm getting up and you know getting ready for for work and stuff like that, I've had my workout and stuff. I have to watch inspirational stuff on TV. Really? I do. Like, I mean, you I take, have to. I, I I don't know why, but it's just kind of one of those things. So like, I don't know if it just puts me puts me in a a, a positive mood or, or anything like that. But so I'll, I'll work out and I'll usually work out to watching some sports show, you know, in the morning just to be able. I feel like I work out better when I'm watching athletics, just because I'm like, man, if these guys, these are supreme athletes, like. I think I can do this little 40-minute workout. Are you working out at home? Yeah, just just for now. But afterwards, man, I always love to put on some movie or some TV show to where I can get, like, you know, kind of fill my cup a little bit. So, like, remember the Titans? Like, it it started, like, watching that, like, a long time ago as I got up in the morning, and I realized how, how good it feels to, like, start your day with something positive, not the BS, not the, you know. You know, I guess I'd never really done something like that. I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I kind of, I have my routine in the morning and I, I'll run. I think usually my run is like my fill up my cup. Right. Like I feel good after I run. Right. It makes me feel like I accomplished something. And you're like, oh, I'm getting, I'm going to be healthier because I ran today. Like that's a good thing. So I think that's kind of what it is. I think that's where I get all of that positive motivation is purely from running, which is actually kind of sad because when I hurt myself and I can't run, mm-hmm. I have a really hard time finding now that what? positive motivation. Like, a, like a two months ago, I hurt my calf again. It's the same calf, and it always, I always pull it. I'm get, I'm, you have I'm, ginormous calves. I'm doing way more. I'm rolling it. I'm doing way more stretching. I'm really trying to protect it. But if I like have to take two or three weeks off from running, oh, my God, it's miserable. <laughs> Complete opposite. I watch videos and read stories of just trashy, terrible, stupid people, <laughs> and I'm like, wow, I could... It could be much worse. And at least I'm not I, at them. At least I'm not them. All right. I, yeah, I, I mean, that's. I'm hey. going to go and accomplish something today. Last half full. I love it. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for us today. Thanks so much for listening and interacting on the text line. Got a lot of text today about the Blazers. Next Sunday, we'll be back after game four. I believe it's uh, Monday game two. That's tomorrow. Thursday game three in Portland. Saturday game four. So we'll be back Sunday to react to. Game four in the series as a whole at that point. Hopefully the Blazers, they're up, you know, 3-1 or something. Hopefully they swept them. Oh, hopefully they swept them. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, that'd be dope. Wouldn't that be surprising? All right, that's it. Listen to the podcast. If you're listening to the show, Les Shop Tires Podcast. We'll be back next week. Have a very good rest of your Sunday. Feeling-